This is Adam Levy. This is Barb Brinkstead. And I'm Savannah Smith. And we're Turn, Turn, Turn. And you're listening to the Minnesota Music Shakedown. Welcome to episode number 14 of the Minnesota Music Shakedown, a podcast dedicated to spinning some of the best original Twin Cities and beyond area music. Featured this week are songs by Ken Valdez and Allie Gray, plus music and interviews with Turn, 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 and Chris Mara of Welcome to 1979 Studios. Also, it's the turn of the Top 5 podcast, where our celebrity guest panel battles over who has the best Top 5 1990s band list of all time. I'm your host, Mark Sterry, and thank you for supporting live and local music. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Ken Valdez, and you are listening to the Minnesota Music Shakedown. Time, time, time It's gonna get you 
that's all right, cause baby, I'm a witch. You're mine, no mind, yeah. Easy now, I'll show you how. Every time I see you, will I want to place? Every night, every day, place. Won't taste of you, takes the pain away, place. That was Minnesota blues rocker Ken Valdez with his song Blaze off of his 2021 album Saints and Sinners. Up next, they speak with Adam Levy, Savannah Smith, and Barb Brinstead of Turn, Turn, Turn about their hit 2023 album New Rays from an Old Son. Afterwards, hear their new single Stranger in a Strange Land. We knew that we wanted to record a follow-up album to our debut album really um, months after we released Can't Go Back, which we released in 2020 in the spring. Uh, and, and unfortunately, we were very busy gigging during the pandemic, which many bands weren't doing. So we didn't really have a chance to get down and start sit together and start writing songs until um, several months later. But we started the songwriting process that year, I believe, and we really took all of 2021 to record it. And we recorded it, we tracked everything in Adam's apartment that your listeners can't see, but you can see. See that piano behind Adam? We That's where we did pretty much everything except for the drum tracks. Really? Because I was going to ask if it was recorded. It wasn't done at the Chubby Mammal? No, no. Nope. Just the drums. Wow. Some of the drums, not all the drums. Some of the drums. We actually had a couple of the drummers. Um, Our main drummer, Josh Kaplan, has a studio, a home studio. I'm not sure where Scott Wenham did his tracks. but Um, We did his track at uh, Patrick Tanner's studio. Do you guys mind talking about that song, Hymn of the Hater? Super catchy. And I thought it kind of, the one part sounded kind of even, I know you guys are like 60s and 70s influenced. It had like a George Michael feel in the chorus for me, like really poppy and really oh. catchy. Maybe that's Scott's drums. I don't know. I mean, you know, I would say it's probably the most sort of soul or gospel sounding song on the record, intentionally so, because mm-hmm. um, it's got all those religious references and um, I'm kind of trying to paint a picture of certain people in the country with certain belief systems. And so that music sort of lent itself to it. And I don't know. I mean, George, I know George Michael's a huge fan of that kind of music. So I guess, you know, we have that in common. Yeah, absolutely. So how, who wrote the song? Did you write it, Adam? You guys write as collectively as a team or how do you guys go about it? I wrote that particular one. We've, We've at this point, for the most part, we kind of write on our own, and sometimes we've been handing off stuff and sharing it. Um, and we've got a few things in the making that uh, a couple of us, uh, Barb and Savannah in particular, had worked on together. But we haven't um, yet embarked on really more 
collective sitting in the same room writing. It's sort of like, here, I've got an idea. Check this out. Go, go, <laughs> go ahead and do something with it. Okay. I think that's something that we we really want to to work towards, um, but it just it hasn't happened yet. You know, the the whole process of recording this uh, album was fairly isolated. We did you know one off days where Barb would go in, lay down a bunch of stuff, sing on a bunch of stuff, and then one day I would go in, sing on a bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah, to Savannah's point, we were we really weren't in the same room at the same time. I mean, Adam was the one person who was um, manning all the controls and everything. So we just, uh, you know, figured out when it would work best, which was completely different from how we did our first album. Yeah, the first album was recorded, you know, bang, bang. You know, we, we were so... We went into it having like zero idea of what was going to happen. We thought we'd record a couple songs, but it was like basically a couple of weekends that we recorded that whole record. And mm -hmm. this one, as those guys are saying, was a much more kind of drawn out process just because of people's schedule and COVID and trying to be careful if people were sick, just being respectful of that kind of thing. Um, and so when we were in the middle of it, I think it, it did feel a little disjointed to people. Like, I don't know what this thing is going to end up looking like at the end. Um, but I was, I was super excited. Everything that, you know, Barb and Savannah were doing and singing and playing on the record sounded so good to me. I do a lot of these things by myself and get them kind of started a little bit. And then those guys would come in and kind of bring the songs to life, which was awesome. Cool. Who was your guys's like audio like references for the that sonically for this record? Um, for example, I'm working on some blues funky solo stuff, and I kind of want it to reference honestly James Brown's Black Caesar album just sonically with the drums and the guitar, or like Bob Dylan with John Wesley Harding. He was kind of referenced some acoustic Gordon Lightfoot records. Did you guys have any specific sonic sounds you were going for? Or any albums that were like, we wanted to kind of sound a little like this and a little like that. I mean, I'd say there's a number of things that kind of get thrown into the mix. I really like records that have uh, a really live sound to them um, and that have kind of rough edges. But when you listen to them, it just feels like there's kind of there's a, there's an energy that's going on right there and then. And even though the record was recorded in what I would call more of a kind of sedimented um, style over time, there was an attempt sonically to get like, I love the old Stax record recordings. I love Exile on Main Street by the Stones. Um, I think there's a lot of country music recordings that sort of like the reverbs that I was using were kind of cueing off of a lot of the vocal reverbs that would have happened on 60s honky tonk records like George Jones you saying like that kind of slapback stuff or what do you what do you get what do you think yeah I would say slapback some wider you know like Owen Bradley era reverbs that are really really big sounding I'm a big Beatles fan so I think like that always gets thrown into the mix absolutely um folks so like let's say so savannah lives in eau claire you know barbara you, i assume you're in the twin cities and adam you're in the cities how'd you guys all how did this turn 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 project start in the first place 
Who's going to take that question? <laughs> Savannah. Hello, how about Barb. How <laughs> for Savannah? <laughs> well, um, so Adam was actually my songwriting teacher in at, at IPR. And I feel, I think a few years, probably 10 years went by. We had played shows together here and there. Um, and just, just as I was moving back to Eau Claire, Adam reached out about doing a cover band. Um, Initially his daughter was, was in the band, but she had a bunch of other stuff going on um, her band. And so I, I agreed because why wouldn't I? (laughs) Um, And our first rehearsal was just, everything clicked. It was awesome. Um, So we, we were, we were a cover band for a minute. I don't know if anybody wants to, Primary like sixties, seventies, like turn, turn, turn. Is that like yep. a reference to the yeah. old song? Yeah, yep. I mean that song we never did particularly well, but uh, <laughs> I sort of felt like the name, you know, a name is just something so people can kind of make an identification and a vibe. And I think at that point we were kind of going for this Laurel Canyon country slash kind of rock folk sound at least all of the covers that we were picking, but stuff that had room for three, you know, three voices, Fleetwood Mac, um, trying to think of some of the other stuff, Graham Parsons. Um, what else do we do? Did some monkeys, Velvet oh. Underground. We had a really big roster. Oh, I it's love true. that stuff. Yeah. It was yeah, pretty it was varied. Fun. What Graham Parsons did you do? I cover Love Hurts and then Grievous Angel. We did Love Hurts. Yep, we did that. Las Vegas. And there was Las one Vegas. We, we tried Dark End of the Street, which many Vegas. people had recorded. Um, mm-hmm. We did that. We tried one night, I believe, we did Sin City, and I completely botched it. Oh, yeah. yeah did. <laughs> I didn't know Dark End of the Street was a was a... a a soul R&B song initially. It was. Yeah, it was the original written by, by Dan Penn. And it was covered at first by a guy named James Carr, who's kind of an underrated, awesome soul singer. But it's had a long a long life. A lot of people have covered it. Did, yeah, Gra- I, um, did Graham write Love Hurts, or is that Joey Mullen and Badfinger? No, that's um, Felice and Bodolo Bryant, who wrote a, almost all of the most memorable of the Everly Brothers hits um, and wrote another Graham Parsons tune that, that he and Emmy Lou did called Sleepless Nights. They were a couple from Nashville and um, they were writing a lot of pop songs between the 1950s and 60s and some of the most beautiful close harmony songs I think that have ever been sung were written by those two.
Next up is part one of the top five 1990s summer lineup tour list where panelists Allie Gray, Uncle Nick, Carl and Rick from Capital Sons, Macklemore Corey, Brad from the St. Paul Curling Club, Coach Scotty Z, and myself, similar to a fantasy football draft, draw numbers to determine order, choose one band from the 1990s. If taken, it's no longer available for five rounds. And by the end, whomever has compiled the best, according to Judge Rachel and Company's fantasy summer tour list of 1990s bands, is declared the winner. Enjoy! First pick of the summer 1990s rock band summer series okay. is Allie Gray. All right. Well, I'm trying to be strategic and pick a band that I really want to keep in my lineup. And because a lot of us are Minnesota musicians here, I felt it appropriate to pick one of our greatest rock bands from the 90s that had some great success that also doesn't play very often or ever anymore, and that would be Soul Asylum. Oh, good one. Wow. All right. Bye. That was my number one. <laughs> was it? That was my we number always one. God damn it. So yeah. we all got to cross them off. Oh, my God. That was my number one. And my festival's the best. <laughs> Alley Fest. Okay, number two, the number one winning coach in Liberty basketball history, my good friend Scotty Z. Super fan, Took calls him. And Scotty Z, what is your number one draft? Um, I'll based on what a lot of people told me, I kind of it was kind of a fun thing to be in because I got to a lot of people really like contributing to this, but I'll go with REM. Oh. I saw them in the '90s at Did Summer really? Fest in Milwaukee. Online, bigger, <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> next up, uh, number three in this draft of summer lineup, this is Bradley Kloss of the representing the St. Paul Curling Club. This is tough. i got to choose between two and hope one comes back. Talk deep into that mic, bud. Okay. This is tough. i got to pick two. I'm going to go with Nirvana, please. Seattle base. Mm-hmm. Question, do we, are we able to use a single person as a band? Yeah. A single person, a single? Okay, all right. I mean, you can't pick Kurt Cobain. No, but like Kurt if there's a solo artist band. Okay. Nice pick. Booked. Bradley, that was kind of a dirty pick. What, the best band of the 90s? Oh! Okay, the next one. Macklemore, Corey. I can't imagine what you're going to pick. My first pick. Corey, you got to talk really deep in that mic, bud. It's going to be the Foo Fighters. Oh! Uh, <laughs> next up, Rick. You have your next. You have the, the What's your first lineup? So, so I got to ask a question. Do we consider the band's draw when we're picking? I mean, we're making a festival. I'm just wondering if that plays in. I mean, popularity matters, I'd okay. say. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Right. Well, I'm, I'm going to go with what I had. Rage Against the Machine. Okay, Carl, my good friend, okay. what you doing? Maybe it's an easy choice or an easy go-to, but I got to give a shout-out to Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, my Ooh. God. This is I brutal. Mean, September 8th. Pretty much undeniable, undeniable 90s band, uh, Red Hot, uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. I mean, that album just absolutely exploded. Dude. Give it away. Give it away. It's hilarious. Okay, the next one. Me. I'm going to say, okay, and the number eight pick, Uncle Nick. What's your number one, bud? Hello. Uh, for my pick, going Weezer. Weezer. Did you say? Weezer. Weezer. I kind of liked Weezer. Say it ain't so, I know. Saw them a couple, a couple years ago. 
Nice. Okay, so Corey, how does this work? You go, now Nick goes again? Now Nick picks first, and we go in reverse order. Okay. Uh, Uncle Nick, you're back on, my friend. What's your next pick? So nervous. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm going uh, English on this one, going Oasis. Damn it, Nick. Ooh. Oh, I, do, I like Oasis. Yes. That's a good one. That took another one off my list. Me, I get to go. That's pretty cool. I never get to do this. Yeah, I do, actually, but whatever. Okay, I got one. They might be the opener in the middle. I'm not sure, but Toad the Wet Sprocket. Oh. Digging deep. Walk on the Ocean is a great tune. <laughs> oh, man, Walk on the Ocean. I still love that song. Yeah, it's one of the I best. I will not change the station if that comes on. No, Walk on the Ocean, All all I Want. Rachel, do you listen to a lot of them? She's like, who's that? Oh, the wet sprocket. Okay, so we have, uh, I just went, so Carl, yeah. I'm gonna you're go up next. Pearl Jam. There oh, you go. Can't deny Pearl Jam. And okay. extra credit for taking on Ticketmaster, even though they failed, but they at least tried. Yep. Fuck Ticketmaster. Agree. Exactly, fuck Ticketmaster. Yeah. But, uh, Rick, you're number two. All right, keeping with the same thing, I'm going to go Soundgarden. Nice. Black Hole Sun, nice Fallen Black Days. I didn't listen Killer to a lot Jones. of grunge. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> oh, That's why I was hitting you. I know. I know. Kills it. Kim Thayer kills it. All right. Oh, Macklemore Corey. Where are, you? are you from Brewster, Iowa? Iowa, yeah. My <laughs> second pick is going to be Green Day. Oh. oh. Mm-hmm. Yes. Solid, solid. That pick is not I don't listen to any of this shit. Anymore, man. <laughs> So that was, was that on yours? Yeah, was that was <laughs> so far, nobody's gotten one of mine. But. All right. Next up, Bradley, representing the St. Paul Curling Club. We love the St. Paul Curling Club. Good luck, John Schuster. Who? Team Schuster. With Bra- pleasure, I'm going to pick Tool. You gave it away right there. Oh, the T-shirt, yeah. Oh, there you go. You have the band on you. Thanks. I like it. Did you listen to any of these, Allie? Oh, my God. When I was yes. tortured. <laughs> and the next pick. I'm picking the festival I want. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I next up, you. we have Scotty Z. What's your pick? Um, this this guy incorporated a three foot nine guy in his band in the '90s. Kid Rock. <laughs> Kid Rock. The crowd pumped up. Going trailer, huh? <laughs> Is that a double wide trailer? Or that concert. Oh Al, you're not crossing any of these off your list. <laughs> <laughs> Kid Rock's not on the list. <laughs> Thanks, Google. <laughs> oh, my God. Ouch. That is so Ouch. That is so fun. Oh. All right, so Allie, back to number right. one. I'm starting to find out that nobody's going to want to go to my festival, I'm pretty sure. But um, I chose a band that we will never be able to see again because Miss Dolores is now in heaven, the Cranberries. Oh. oh yes. choice. Quintessential, I'd yes. say. Yes. Uh, 90s, yeah. She yes. had a great voice. Oh, my gosh. I Is she it. one of the hottest 1990s rock stars, oh, you think, or yeah. no? Well, there's one more. Yes. We'll get to her. Okay. I know who that is, I think. <laughs> All right. Let's see. My third band. All right. All right, I'm going to pick it because it's going to be on one of your lists. Cause it's, But I'm going to go with the Black Crows because that is one oh, 90s yeah. band that I love because they're more blues than anything. Mm. <laughs> that was a good pick. And I Thank you. Go to that country. All right, see? Winning you over. Scotty Z. I'm gonna, um, you cover one of the songs that this 
group plays. I'm going to go with TLC. Woo! <laughs> you that know well, Scrubs, I've been to about 50 of your shows. Or now, about 50 of your shows. I'm going to your festival. Yeah, I, love oh, I love TLC. I say no, sing no diggity, not no Scrubs. I love no diggity too. Scott. <laughs> I didn't know we could do 90s like. Why not? Uh, hip hop. Uh-huh. I love Should it. No, that's down. good. Good law. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. It's I mean, your it's festival. This is what we can argue if no. we want about I'll it. Go. I think it's I great. See him on the list. I want to go now too, Scotty. Okay. Is weed legal there, bud? Yeah, they're considered <laughs> second best to the Supremes or something. That's a good pick, Scotty Z. I Next like up, too. Bradley Clausen, your number three. Who's else? Who's in your lineup? Check my list here. I'm getting everything I want, and I love it. Uh, so I'm going to go with Metallica. Metallica? Oh, they're 80s. That's 80s. They the, 80s. the Black Album was 1991. How many did they sell after that in the 90s? Oh. Lots of albums. But then it's all shit. In, if that came out in 89, I'd give it to you. But oh, but they had to kill them all, right? Reload, and they won a Grammy. Actually, a couple of times. When you write lyrics like give me fuel, give me fire, give me that desire, you're off the list, dude. I bet they made a lot more. (laughs) My festival. It's easier festival. At least he didn't pick Jethro Tull. Um, (laughs) What decade did they make more money in the 90s or the 80s? Probably the 90s, my friend. With inflation. (laughs) (laughs) Until Napsey took it all away. Okay, next up. So, Brad, Macklemore Corey, talk into that microphone. I'm going to slow it down a bit, my, my lineup, and pick Collective Soul. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Derailed from rock. Derailed from rock. I don't care. I love 90s it. We got metal, we got rock, we got R&B. All right, Rick, what do you got for us, bud? You're up next. I don't know. We're all over the place. I'm just going to go with one of my favorite bands. I'm going to go Aerosmith because anytime yeah. a 70s That's band so 70s. can come through the glam all right. 80s hair bands and the 90s. I would say 90s for sure for all those pump. ballads they did. They did pump. They definitely they did get a grip and the they 90s. did nine lives. And, and they resurgence the in the 80s. Yeah. And the 80s. Yeah. And then they had all the, the movie soundtracks and DQ. all that stuff. So. Disqualified. <laughs> Plus it's your favorite band. So you, know, we knew you. I knew I you were. Figured, I knew yeah, it had to be you. on your list. They're amazing. Carl, Stone Temple Pilots. Ooh, Definitely 90s. <laughs> Carl, what's your what's the best Stone Temple Pilots song in your opinion? Ooh. Oh, there's so many good ones. But, Besides uh, Even Flow. Uh, no, I'm going to go with uh, <laughs> Even Flow. That's Pearl Jam. <laughs> um, purple, probably. That's a killer tune. I never heard that one. Is that the one that goes, no, that's Crash no, Test no, no, no. I, I love Crash Test Dummies. Is that who he said? No. no. He said Stone Temple oh, Pilots. I thought that was the same. Jeffrey Freeward Band. You're not How about, uh, yeah. I know, I was just playing. I'm half the man I used to be. John Wayne Bobbitt song. <laughs> oh, of course, Rick would have a dick joke. <laughs> you can't deny Scott Weiland had a great voice. They were, you know, had a string of hits. Funny story. I used to play at this uh, bar, well, I mean, years ago, across from the Eagle Street, across from the Wild Game. And Stone Temple Pilots came in and partied while we were, pl- Dan Neal and I were playing there. And uh, I didn't meet them. They didn't talk to us or anything, but they were apparently there. And this is sort of morbid. <laughs> this is sort of morbid, but it is a Minnesota connection. Scott Weiland actually overdosed in Minnesota. That's huge. I did know that. Mm-hmm. They should put a sign up here in the video club. I think you just played at the Myth. 
Yeah. I thought it was Medina. I got to say it. Hootie and the Blowfish. Oh, that was man. on my list, Mark. That was. That was. I named a band after Hootie and the Blowfish. I liked them so much in college. Loved my first them. band was called Almost too. Home. And that was after one of the little songs they yep. sang. I loved them. I went some. All right, Uncle Nick from Vikings for the Wind podcast. What's your number three? Then I get to, we'll take five after this. Okay. okay. Um, rounding it off, I don't think anyone said them yet, but Smashing Pumpkins. Nice. I thought someone nice. said that. No. No one said yep. it. I'm taking yep. it. Take I'm it. Taking it. It's a good one. Okay, guys, I got to reset this tape. Let's take five. Grab a beer, whatever. Take a breather.
That was Allie Gray with her song Out of My Way from her 2009 album, Johnson Street. Check out all things Allie on AllieGray.com. Would like to take a minute or two to thank the two sponsors of this week's podcast, ID Chrysler Zombrota and the BDL Club. I was driving home from the gym now and literally almost got hit by lightning, and it's February. Crazy weather. Always feel safe, though, in my black Jeep Cherokee I got from Mighty Chrysler. With 250,000 miles of old car, which is much of that poor thing to take, I found myself looking for my new dream ride at ID Chrysler, and the staff could been more helpful with me choosing a vehicle and willing to work with my, as I, at the time I called it, musician's credit score. Their philosophy is simple, time-saving, hassle-free, fair price. Check out the inventory at ZabrotaCDJR.com or take the beautiful drive down US 52 to 1900 Roscoe Avenue, Zombrota, Minnesota to visit them in person. Business hours are Monday through Friday, 8 to 6 p.m. and Saturday, 9 to 5 p.m. Closed on Sundays. Check out ID Chrysler's Zombrota today. Enjoy a safe winter season full of adventures and memories out in that open road in a new ride. And the BDL Club, the BDC 2100. One of my favorite bars in the Roseville slash St. Paul, Minnesota area. The BDL Club, located in the corner, Count Row B and Dale's motto is a place for family, a place for friends, a place for fun. And that is a stone cold truth. And I cannot wait till this Thursday. Rocking out 7 to 10 p.m. with Dan Neal and Brian K. Johnson. Do not miss it. Chicken picking for the masses. It's going to be awesome. Natalie, Shelley, Dustin, entire bar staff are all state-of-the-art cocktail wizards. As of late, my libation of choice is the classic Greyhound cocktail. There to quote 16-time world champion Ric Flair, Tasty Little Devils. Live music, pool table, pull tabs, Tuesday Night Chess Society, Bingo Meat Raffle, Bocce Ball Thursdays, and much, much more. B-Dale's got it all. Stop for cold one tonight, tomorrow, soon. As soon as you hear this, for sure on Thursday with me, Danny, and Johnson. Next up, we have Chris Mara from Nashville, Tennessee, talking about his popular recording studio and much more. Welcome to 1979 Studios. Afterwards, hear a song by one of the artists he works with named Daniel Kemish with his 2023 single, Rat Race. For those of you who don't know, uh, I'm from Clear Lake, Wisconsin, which is a small town of about 1,000 people surrounded by towns of that or less. Um, so there's not a lot going on. And the nearest city is Minneapolis, which is like an hour and a half away. Uh, so growing up working on farms, it, it's great. It's, um, nothing against it, but it was just definitely a motivation to, to do something else. Uh, and my friends were in bands, and I gravitated towards Minneapolis to start working with rock bands, um, more in the live sound thing. And then I decided to go to a school to learn about live sound, which there wasn't one then. So I went to recording school a community college south of Minneapolis and did a two-year degree there in recording and fell in love with it. And my roommate was moving to Nashville. And I said, well, I'll tag along and see what that's like. And it's the studio scene here in the music industry here is nuts. It's huge. So I carved out a space for myself here working with rock and Americana bands. When did you first go down there? When did you start your studio down there? I moved here in 1995. Wow. Uh, I was 20 years old. I remember that because my first interview, I had to meet the studio owner at a bar and use my fake ID to get in, which was, <laughs> which was a, you know, it was kind of a, what do you call it? A catch 22, you know, do I lie to get in or, or not get in, not get the gig. Uh, and then I, I interned at a studio for about three months and started working there as an assistant engineer for a couple years and then freelance engineered for five or six and then started welcome to 1979 about 15 years ago what is the 
impetus behind the title of your studio, Welcome to 1979. That's not your birth year, obviously. No, no, I'm, I'm, it's a, I'm, I was born a few years earlier than that. Um, I, I wanted a name that kind of just let people know it's different over here, you know, from how we do business to, um, the vibe itself to the equipment, just kind of everything. And I didn't want to use words like analog or real or tape or anything like that. So, um, it's welcome to 1979. So the year has no significance at all. It, it like the average of the gear is kind of around there and, and it sounds cool, you know, just, <laughs> you know. And so, is it located yeah, right downtown Nashville or where are you located at? It's really close to downtown. We're in the loop. Yeah. So it's 10 minutes from Broadway. Yeah. Wow. And so do you, how do you get your businesses is mostly like word of mouth or do you do a lot of advertising or how do you go about getting your clients? It's, it's word of mouth. Um, when we started it it was um we would host parties here and bands are great to work with because they talk to other bands a lot and they're very loyal uh and bands will break up and then a guitar player that i worked with in one band will be in another band and it mentioned the studio and i have a meeting and and that kind of thing um stuff like this podcasts are great um we we go to a lot of shows when there are shows um and I mean, our social media is pretty good. You know, it's it's not crazy like thirty thousand followers, but a lot for studios and interact, make make comments, and and uh, just that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's there's no advertising at all. Wow, you know? that's outstanding. Yeah. What is uh, what's some of the most unique pieces of equipment you have at your studio that would kind of set you apart? Do you think? Uh, that's a great question. I think um, a, a big part of the 70s sound in my mind is that that studios had a console that defined the studio, right? And they would they would take great pride in that choice. And I took the same approach. We have a 1978 MCI console. That's the center of it. And it sounds amazing. And it looks cool. Um, so there's that, right? Um um, I think I've got some really cool microphones. I've got a really sought-after vintage 1176 uh, Blue Stripe, they're called. Um, uh, what's and then, what's, you know, what's significant about them? They they only made like a 1,000 of them, Yuri, and, and 1176 has become a very famous compressor that's been copied nine, time, nine ways from Sunday or whatever you want to say. Um, but this is like the original one. Okay. So, can the yeah. average ear hear the difference between that and like an SM58 or no? Well, this is this is a compressor. So, I mean, you know, it's like the average ear is a weird thing to say. It's like because I hear what you're saying, and I don't know if they hear the difference to point it out, but they know there's a difference. Do you know what I mean? I, I should say spot on. Why Asex? I just switched microphones myself and t- doing yeah. this podcast. And I don't know if the average person could hear the difference, but mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. there is a difference. So exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. 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 And and just on that subject, um, several years ago, a friend of mine, I mean, a college asked me to do like a mix uh, judge competition, which I don't like judging anything let alone music but it's for learning so they sent 
the same, like 30 students mixed the same song with the same tracks. And we were supposed to critique them on all these like, you know, things. Right. And then, and then, and then you come up with a number. Right. And then I, then you rank them by that. Right. So there's 30 mixes and I got inside my head. I'll keep the story short. So I sent the whole link to a friend of mine who does, she likes music, but doesn't do music. And I said, just rank these from your favorite to least favorite. And they were almost exactly in the same order. Isn't wow. that nuts? Yeah, that's insane. The quote-unquote untrained ear and a quote-unquote trained ear have the same opinion of the mix. That is so. interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So how much time are you mostly an engineer or you a producer slash engineer or... What is exactly you do? You do all the above? Do you do mastering as well? Right. Well, so the studio has grown. It's it's a it's a it's one of the larger studios in Nashville. So we have a staff. So there's the services that seventy nine offers are not done by me specifically. Right. We have two mastering engineers that handle all of the mastering um, work. Um, I have two engineers that work here and four assistant engineers that work on sessions. I, when I am engineering or working on projects, I'm either an engineer with a producer in the room. So I'm doing what the producer and artist talk about and I just do it. Uh, or the band is a producer and I do what they want me to do. Um, so that's about 70% of what I do when I'm engineering. And then the other 30% is uh, actually do produce and engineer bands. So what do you prefer? Or do you like both doing them both? I think it's great. I mean, I'm, I'm always learning. And I feel when I'm working with other people who do what I do, I learn more. So when I'm in the room with a producer, I'm learning not and learning isn't just learning what to do. It's learning what not to do. You know what I mean? So I'll I'll see a producer do something that I don't care for. And I'm like, okay, I won't do that. Or I'll, that's really cool. I'll do that. Um, and, and selfishly when I'm only engineering, I get to focus on that. And the producer is listening to the song and the tempo and the take, and I get to listen to the snare drum and the kick drum. So I feel like I'm a better engineer when I'm only engineering. I mean, you play, you play and sing, right? I mean, yeah. So you know that, when you're splitting your, you're doing both at the same time. And sometimes that's better as a whole, but you know, you could might've sung it better, might've played it better a little bit, but the performance is great. You know what I mean? Oh, I totally hear you. It's it's kind of the same thing. So if people are confused, what a producer is, that might be a little inside uh, Mm -hmm. dialogue there. Can you explain what a producer is and what they do in a recording session? Yeah, I will do my best. So, Producer means a lot of things to a lot of different people, and it means different things in different genres, right? So a producer in, in hip-hop and rap is somebody who makes the beats, and then you buy beats from a producer, okay? So just to set that aside, in the uh, rock and, and rock and Americana world where I live in, a producer typically is somebody who has the overview of the project and says, okay, let's, let's get together before we go in the studio, talk about the budget, talk about the songs. Let's work on the songs together. And with the 
here's my opinion of of the with the goal of the band. Okay. Hey, hey, Chris, we want we want to get on the radio. Okay, great. Send me some songs. Okay, these songs are all seven minutes long. We need to work on that. We need to get these songs in the three-minute range to meet your goal that you told me, right? I'm not just going to change your songs to change your songs, right? That's me working with a band. Um, if if I'm working for a label that is that is paying me to work with one of their artists, I do what the label says. The label says we want them on the radio. The band sends me seven-minute songs. I say my job is to get you on the radio, and it, and I can... <laughs> There's more freedom to piss off the artists because they're not my client. It's more of a dance with with working with an artist with the goals they want.
this rat race. Bringing home this week's episode of the Minnesota Music Shakedown. It's another song by one of our featured artists this week. Turn, turn, turn with their new song, Dopamine Blues. This has been the Minnesota Music Shakedown. If you'd like to toss your buck or two in the podcast tip jar, please go to patreon.com forward slash Mark Music. If you like what I do, music, podcast, whatever, check out my website, markstereomusic.net. For song or artist submissions, please email me at markstereomusic at gmail.com or message me on social media. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time. <laughs>